Welcome and hello. Uh, welcome back, everybody. This is There Will Be Dungeons, a show where we play D&D with each other and uh, five friends try to not die. Uh, the DM doesn't ever die, but, you know, the other four of us, we never know what our lives are going to look like. Boy, isn't it good we have some nice fresh tea to sip on while we're playing. Yeah, that's right. If you go to phoenixpearltea.com slash TWBD, you too can partake in teas that are based on our campaigns. Do it today. That's phoenixpearltea.com slash TWBD. And now, without further ado, I pass uh, the baton, as it were, to Kristen, who will tell us what happened last time on There Will Be Dungeons. Stanley's ghostly uncle gave the gang keys of the ship, ending eventually in a secret section that revealed Stanley's father's face. Varel pressed for a private party parlay, which they took in the captain's quarters. He wanted to check on Rozek Val before expanding their expedition. A throng of 30 lizards looked on as their great fang descended a dinghy. He bade them join the journey to Mars. After the jump in a biodome, the lizards took to new territory while the gang met with the man who had last seen the Triangulosphere's main maker. Coordinates to a planet and then Pentelvice promised the final piece needed to mend the machine. Afterward, a meeting was held with the elves focused on figuring the formation of a fight that loomed large. Now rejoin our heroes as they contemplate combat. What will they wager in war? Where will the coordinates complete? And will Stanley forgive his father's formative face? Stay tuned for the continuing conundrums and perilous paths of space. Over to bow. The heroes of the waste, Nash Magard of the Solar Mines, Varel Rasfim Kurik, Queen Orifi Hope Akmenos, and Stanley Billings, otherwise known as Valir Ornoth, are in the great jungle of Mars, and they are walking through this forest en route to a meeting at the Great Elder Tree of Mars. Uh, oh, no. The name I forgot. Damn it. Uh, it was... Sumar Slinar. That's it. Sumar Slinar. It's just a tough one to, to remember. Sumar Slinar. So there's this large weeping willow-style tree towering over the rest of the jungle, high up into the air, providing this natural canopy. So even though sun is poking through the tree, it's mainly shaded and kind of dark, but the glow of the jungle is keeping everything so that you can see it. In this large glade in the middle of the jungle, underneath the tree, is an auditorium. Uh, it's made of dirt and twig, and you walk between two aisles to enter into a circular seated area all around um, about five rows high. Populating these rows are mainly elves. Elhandari elves in their customary black one-piece uh, uniforms. And they're, uh, the room doesn't really take any obvious notice as you begin to walk through this passage between either side of the benches. Um, Notably, the view as you look up is beautiful as sunbeams uh, shine through the jungle uh, down into your face. Um, the other thing that you immediately notice is who all there that is not an elf. Because they jump out to you immediately with how uncharacteristic they are. 
seated somewhat by his lonesome on the first row, just beyond on the other side of where you're entering, there's an orc. This orc doesn't wear a shirt. And he has dark green skin. He's wearing a bandage over his eyes. And he's carrying two katanas and a blunderbuss. And he ha- he's seated with legs down patiently. And you recognize him. You met him long ago in the days of Slave Town as the Nameless One. The leader of the Liberator uh, ragtag crew that was sheltered in the dead fingers for a time brings back a memory of something maybe awful to Stanley and Hope um, also uh, what can't escape your notice is behind him not seated on the bench is a large figure that was in shadow but now that you're in the room you can see him there is a large cyclops sitting behind one eye hands on the top of the last row of the benches one eye look at, looking down at the proceedings. Seems to be sitting very patiently. You also see among them three birdmen. You've seen birdmen before, such as Nothing and Kidigree, but these birds have white and brown feather and look regal, dr- adorned in armor, seated and discussing with each other in quiet and looking around at the alien surroundings they may find themselves in. That's your impression of their behavior. Finally, amongst the elves, you see Riddle Nobieri, seated in an area with some space for you to sit, and about the third row to the right, in the middle of, uh, uh, in the middle, in sort of the middle section of the seating. High Elf elf Amanthalodar is standing, uh, is sitting rather, in his chair, patiently uh, observing um, seemingly in, in, in reflection and Admiral Chrysorius, leader of the Elven and Elhendari army is standing to attention waiting for things to begin you walk into this uh, auditorium area and take in the view it seems that things will begin soon was that the orc that I bit his nuts through the car? <laughs> No, no, that was steel nuts. Oh, that was steel nuts. Okay. <laughs> Those were steel nuts. <laughs> they weren't so this steel. Is the, it's the guy who was in charge of that resistance camp that was hidden. Oh, where you where went you guys and killed the bear. Yeah, where oh, you killed yeah. the dude with a rock. Yeah, we killed the guy. With a yeah, yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name again? I don't Fun. remember, but I don't uh, care. It's been a long time, Dead but uh, yeah. So hold on, the guy that we saw first, who we recognize from all that time back, the, what'd you call him? The nameless one? The what'd you call him? He, he referred. He called himself the nameless one. Okay. You re, you recollect that he had rejected the Kuromukishi way and left the order to wander, and then picked up the cause of liberating Slave Town. Okay, I had some. Memories. You remember among his number that uh, Bertrand Molg was there, and it's also where you picked up Tedna. <laughs> That's oh, Tedna's origin story. <laughs> when you were there, you, Tedna wanted to go with you, and he fell for hope. And, and I had some, I had some, after. <laughs> well, I had some fleeting memory that the the one or the the wanderer uh, died. I thought he died. So obviously not, right? Alive and yeah. well, there he is. He's alive and well. Okay. You guys left them to their fate. You parted to go to uh, the Teat. Uh, basically, and, and left them there, and you don't know what became of him or uh, the jeweler 
Bertrand Mulg, owner of the Sapphire, a good personal friend of Nash's. <laughs> so it's all quiet in this place? Not a lot um, of- I mean, there's the din of conversation. Elves are speaking. Um, you know, it's like a university auditorium preparing for classroom to start, so there is the din of conversation. You know, there are sideways glances to you to see who the strange newcomers are. You do stand out, of course, in all your all your glory. Um, but you know, there's it's the whole room doesn't go silent. Look at you or anything like that. Okay. Well, a question: How does it smell in here? Mm. Smells like jungle. <laughs> That's okay. a terrible description. It, sure. it smells of greenery and. Uh, it doesn't. It's not a negative smell. It smells of nature and nature smells, uh, rich, rich, uh, you know, leaf, a dewy leaf smell. I've never been to the jungle. I don't know how the jungle smells. They <laughs> smell damp. I know how yeah. pine forest smells, uh, but you know, not not the the jungle. Okay, I would be, I'd be wary, like I was walking in a retirement home. I just met a kid who was eighty years old. So I think these adults are ancient and frail. I'm very confused by them. I'd just be looking for a seat. Mostly it's populated with elves. Okay. I'd just look for somewhere to sit. Is there a place where all of us can sit? The only free seat area where you could all sit together would be next to Riddle Nobieri, who appears to have saved some location. Okay. Great, we gotta sit by that guy. (laughs) (laughs) We'll sit directly to Novi area so everyone can take some space away from okay. him if they so you, want. you say excuse me and cut through some of the elves sitting to get to your area of the yeah. seat. Stanley okay. sits as far from Novi area as he can. Okay. In a probably notable yeah, so way. Let, like, let, like let he was right probably right, right behind Hope, but she kept going down the row and Stanley stopped immediately at an open seat. Right. Assuming you went second and then made Morel and Nash walk past you. <laughs> yes. Okay, so so uh, just so I have the right order of seating, in case it's relevant, you never know. Yeah, it is um, Riddle, Hope, and between Varel and Nash, who's next? Uh, I'll sit next to Hope. That's fine. Okay, then it's Varel, and then it's Stanley. Yeah. Okay. Now, as you're you're sort of sorting out where to sit. Um, the four of you hear a voice behind you. Oh, goody! Time to talk! Do we recognize that voice? Bok has followed you in behind you. Speaking common. And Bok Bok six nuts to Stanley. Stanley, Ah, it smells smells vaguely of farts now in your area. Stanley gets up and switches places with (laughs) Varel. Yeah, Stanley looks over. Varel, do you want to sit next to Bok Bok? Keep him in line. Bok Bok, where's your charge? Charge? Charge where? The child, Bok Bok. Oh, little child with um, Nash lady. Ah, very good. Then it is a pleasure to see you again. You may sit by me. Good to see you too, Varel. How have you been? He's good eats. He's improved his uh, vernacular. Yeah. yeah, he's doing good. Uh, yes, very well. Uh, excellent eats, Bok Bok. How you was your journey? Journey, good. 
Good journey. Yes. Journey good. 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 You notice? You notice? Common. Yes, you're doing well. Practice common Nash lady. Right, yes. Nash's wife? Yes, Nash's wife. Is there a, yeah, yeah. Good. A, he's gone too. Remind me that he's married, right? I wasn't sure if it yeah, was. Yeah, I think they had the ring. Remember, they had he, like, a, punched they had somebody a with the okay. diamond ring or something. They had a yeah. ring. He so much has him. happened. He punched me. an like, orb with his ring or something. Yeah, and he put so the he, diamond in the thing right. so he, he could cast spells. Let's, yeah. talk, let's not tell Nash we had this conversation, okay? Yeah. <laughs> right. We, 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 no, actually, uh, if, if he's between me and Hope, we just have it like right behind. Right oh, over, I mean, us yeah. as players, because for the listeners at home, Scott's away from his camera. I don't know if he has his headphones on, so it's like we're talking about. Are they married? Like, what's the, like? <laughs> this conversation never happened. But anyways, Bok Bok is speaking much better English, uh, quite surprisingly. English, English, <laughs> English. Very well, Bok Bok. Have they taught you? What is known as the 12-inch voice. Hope looks confused. He has a blank look on his face. No! It's a very special technique where you can only be heard at 12 inches away. Do as I do. What good that? We're surrounded by old people. They're irritable and confused. They will become alarmed if we talk at full volume. Yucky old people. I agree. Don't, don't trust old people. No, no, they live too long. They're... <laughs> wrinkles are not... Stanley. Stanley! Uh, yes? How old are you? Well, it's uh, been a bit tricky keeping track of time as of late, um, but I am... Uh, probably 38 or 39, depending on how many years have gone by since we started traveling. Oh, oh, the, oh that, that's excellent. I'm only a half-elf, so I don't age the way these folk all. 39! Old! Yes, quite ancient, Bok Bok, indeed. But old. not as ancient as perhaps that man there, or that woman there. Hmm. Why here? Talk? I assume they've focused us all in a, in a central area to face one person talking, and they're going to be of some renown or skill. Hmm. Bok Bok talk lots. Bok Bok tired talk. Hmm. Hmm. And perhaps silence is your best option. Considers your words. Doesn't say anything in response. He's being silent, shockingly enough. He knows what that means. <laughs> it's quite shocking. <laughs> I give him an approving grab on the shoulder and a little shake as we wait Bok for the Bok old really people. Turned it around. He really has. Is he wearing clothes and stuff? He still stinks. He, but... he uses his twelve-inch voice and he says, "Make blowy later." <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, never mind. Just, He's a, back. just, just a Varel. <laughs> uh. <laughs> You can take the goblin out of the goblin camp, but you can't take the goblin camp out of the goblin. That's how that works. <laughs> He's got a whole camp in him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the procession, seem, uh, not procession, but the meeting um, seems to be calling to attention. The last few elves 
come in. Uh, a veil of leaves descends from either side to the doorway there, and the dome sort of goes boom over the auditorium. You're not quite clear what the dome is for, but um, but if you had to guess just instinctively, this is a, maybe a meeting of high importance, and it's so that people can't hear it echo throughout the jungle. The lights dim a little bit, except for some focus. Like It's like not the lights, but the sunbeams from the, the tree seem to shift and alter so that it focuses on the center stage, and it darkens a little bit all around the auditorium. Uh, it's a very cool uh, effect. And um, a high, high elf Amantha Lodar uh, floats up in his chair. With, you know, the chair has like this watery sort of trail, like, a, like as if it floats and surfs on water through the air. And he says, greetings, everyone. Thank you for coming in this most auspicious hour as we ponder the fate of the planet Earth. Many of you have traveled far, endured much travail and hardship, and I would be lying if I, if I said it would not only be worse going forward, but we have learned dire news, and we have brought everyone here today to discuss what we can do to prevent the worst from happening. Again, thank you. Since many of you are from different parts of the planet Earth and new to Mars, I thought it only right to provide introductions to everyone in of everyone in attendance. I am the High Elf Amanthalodar, spiritual leader of the El Endari people. This here is Admiral Chrysorius, military commander for the Elhandari forces. It was his forces who might have brought you here. Over here we have a group that calls themselves the Heroes of the Wastes. And they are mightily important to what we're going to discuss here and enact today. Does anyone else stand? Uh, well, they've introduced them. Like Admiral Chrysorius and High Elf Amanthalodar are already in the stage, so you are the first called of the list of guests. So it is up to you. All right, I stand. All right. Yeah, I would totally stand. Heck yeah. <clears throat> Stanley Hope. Stanley would see everybody standing and then kind of do a like look around, unsure, and then just sort of stand. All right, and then Amantha Lodar, seeing you stand, actually prompts you to introduce yourself to the room. Like, just this is—it's a subtle gesture rather than him do it. Like, I like you that you stood—you know. you stood in the form of a question, John. I like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, is hope, hope stands as well, or is Hope still sitting like a badass? We're all Hope stands. Hope will stand. Okay, perfect. All right, so Pharrell, uh, do you take the opportunity to speak or do you let Amantha Lodar introduce you? Excuse me, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, 
I am Varel Rasfim Kirik. My titles are many, but you may know me as the greatest of all the time Varels you may meet. <laughs> okay. Really getting the word out on that. That's great. Uh, yeah. Who's next? Uh, Nash would go, Nash Magard of the Solar Mines. Uh, it's nice to make everyone's acquaintance, and my little uh, neck arm will kind of wave at everybody. Okay, very good. Who's next? Stanley would look at Hope. All right, Hope would give a little nod and go, I'm Hope. And then look at Stanley. Okay. Uh, hi, my name is uh, Valir Ornoth. <clears throat> Thank you. Known to the many people as the heroes of the wastes. And he continues to go through um, to the next person. He motions to the orc and he says, this here is... And then the orc gets up. Uh, he stands up since that's what we're, <laughs> we're all doing now. It wasn't how I pictured it, but I got to change all my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> he gets up and he goes, I have no name, but I lead the liberators. And then he sits back down. And then they go, then he, um, then Amantha Lodar continues with this speech, pointing to, uh, sorry, who's next? Um, the giant Cyclops in the back. And he, and the Cyclops says, Who? And then Amantha Lodar says, <clears throat> This here is Hagomun, he who is blessed with wise finger. And then the Cyclops looks and then be puts up an index and then he turns the index around and there seems to be a face tattooed on the index and he, he, he shows it to everyone like as if this is a very impressive thing he, he doesn't, doesn't say anything just shows the finger I will whisper to Nash I hate him <laughs> I don't like him either I was concerned that that was I couldn't remember what is the actually what happened to Orp remind me or you, you killed him oh we killed well, Orp right we've been in his testicles in single combat I believe is I crawled up his story. butthole or something didn't I or penis or something oh maybe it was a single no, combat you reached maybe. into his flap right to get uh, the necklace or something oh, yeah, right. yeah. Crawled into there, was, his there was a necklace of fireballs lodged into his urethra that you pulled out that's right that happened <laughs> the so same I, fireballs that killed uh, killed our <laughs> Omnom killed yeah. Omnom. Yeah. Oh no. See, urethra ball. Yeah. Ureth so you're, so you're having those memories. I'm having memories of being wedged inside of a giant's taint. It's all just come. It's like a bad memory to see. You that. were in there. It, yeah. It peed on you. And stuff. All right. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um. Then Hayaf Amantalodar points or gestures towards the bird folk that are that are seated, and then and says, in motions for them to rise, and then one of the bird folk rises, regal. Shoulders back, head held high, and he says, I am King Gelier Criddlescop, leader of the Hegyerfer, ruler of the Dead Fingers. And Bakbak kind of shakes it, sh you, Varel, at your leg, looks down. In that moment, and he says, What me? Hmm? What me? High Alpha Mantelodar um, then says, the remaining elves here are elves as part of the Elhendari people. 
who've been hard at work on this issue for some time, and only those that need to know are present. Everyone, please be seated. Bok Bok lets out a huff. Um, who's who's got a perception higher than 18? Passive perception. Passive perception? I do. I have an 11. I'm oh, terrible. wait. Hold on. Uh, yeah, I do. I have a 23. Okay, perfect. Uh, everyone headphones off except Stanley. Secret knowledge for Stanley. You notice a shadow uh, breaks, not break through, but slide through the veil of the twigs and move to sit next to one of the elves. It's a cloaked man, but you catch a brief glimpse of the face of Monsoon Cabbage. All right, back in. All right. Um, perfect. Okay, so Amantha Lodar uh, finishes giving the introductions and continues. <clears throat> this council, the Council of Earthly Defenders, has been called to once and for all solve the Weir question, to remove the Weir from our world. Each of you here have experienced the weird threat in one form or another. And you all have witnessed the event of four days ago when the World Breaker began gestating in the planet's crust. Many of you may not know the entirety of the history of Elhandar, those new guests here. Since arriving at Earth, before the scorching, the elves of Elahendar had a secret mission to investigate the weird disturbance and to eradicate it from this mundane world. The scorching presented a considerable setback. We have spent the past thousand years working on a solution. But for unfortunate reasons, Elhandar has fallen. And what gains we have made, we no longer have access to. One thing is for certain, though. We thought we had plenty of time. But with the emergence of the World Breaker, that heralds that the end of this planet is coming, and the emergence of the Weir in full to the Prime Material Plane is beginning. It gestates now in the planet and will be hungry to eat once it is done. Now, not all is lost, for there was one elf who had a plan very different from those of the rest of the Elhendari elves. That elf, that elf's name was Delit Onath. And if that name sounds familiar, yes, it is the father of Valir seated here today. His plan did not seem likely to come to fruition, although he insisted upon its upon it. We did not see eye to eye, and I would not send more Ehandari elves out to work on his solutions, but I did provide him with permission to continue his work on itself at great cost to Elhandari work. 
Now that Elhandar is lost, it seems Dalit's legacy is the only option we have remaining. Or else, submit to defeat. This may sound a little strange to some of you here, but early in Dalit's life, he met a sorcerer by the name of Nash Magard of the Solar Mines. He was known to the elves of Elendari. And if you think that sounds strange, yes, that is the somewhat same entity that sits here today as a member of the Heroes of the Wastes. The extent of what I know is that sometime in Nash Magard's future, he's presented with an opportunity to traverse adjacencies and return back in time, essentially, and provide Dalit with his life's mission. The Nash Magod before you now has no knowledge of the future and is not the Nash Magod of the past. But it's him who came back and told us that the Triangular Sphere was the only, told Dalit it was the only way that would succeed. Now, we move on to the Triangulosphere. The Triangulosphere is a work of impossible geometry, a feat of engineering. Its fabrication is almost complete. But due to an unfortunate series of circumstances, its engineer, its artificer, tungsten wheel has gone missing. It is the current objective of our heroes here to find this tungsten wheel and complete the Triangulosphere. That is one entire mission into itself. The reason you're all here today is that we must deposit this triangular sphere in a tactical location so that it penetrates the core of the planet Earth. The magic it is imbued with will reverse the weir corruption in the region. It's looking likely that a target of appropriate location may be well fortified and we may need to gear for war. This is where Admiral Chrysorius takes over. And then the attention of the light shifts to Admiral Chrysorius who look, who, who says <clears throat> um, as he says, sorry, as he begins speaking, Amanthalodar turns his attention to casting illusions above the table so that visually it can be seen what he's explaining. So on the table, an illusion of the planet Earth appears and that illusion shows like a little line almost like Death Star style how it shows a line where the triangle sphere must be dropped in to hit the middle but then cure the planet and the illusion of the planet goes from brown to turning green and lush and blue <clears throat> yes that's right I I'm Admiral Chrysorius and um, I'll be leading the tactical mission on Earth. The main purpose of this meeting here today is to form a battle plan to escort this triangular sphere to the location where it must be deposited. We've identified three primary candidates 
for this. And then he point he takes it sort of whips out a stick and he points to the illusion for everyone. The Firelands, the Black Mine, or the Solar Mines. Our analysis is that the Firelands may not contain caverns deep enough for us to deposit this. And the Black Mine is rumored to be deep, but its levels are a guarded secret by the oil beards. We know nothing about the Solar Mines. We do know that the area used to be a mine in the ancient times, but the Solar Mines is operated by the principal, and he has a magical shroud upon the place, not allowing us with our telescopes to see anything of that area. We have no knowledge of what's in there, and it is a very risky proposition without any information. I open it up for discussion to select a suitable target or any new information someone might have. And Admiral Chrysorius's gaze sort of shifts to you, Nash, and drops at you. Uh, I would probably at the time be very wary and, and a little bit on edge now, knowing knowing that things are creeping closer to my my origin really to where I'm from uh, so I wouldn't offer anything to him I would just sort of look you know a little bit freaked out or a little bit stern a little bit something like preoccupied or however he wants to interpret it don't say anything I've got a, was- a, a tactical mm-hmm. question as a player but Varel would not understand the the implication okay so they're talking about dropping the Trianglosphere to kill the gestating beast, correct? Not the weir. No. Uh, the um, the, the Trianglosphere is to save the planet. The weir, the weir, um, the weir, like, uh, uh, invasion of the planet. Like, the, the um, there's like, a, there's a weakness in the material reality that causes the weir to be able to visit easily. And it's, so it's to close that. The gestating beast will have to get to, but... Okay, so we need to take the Trianglosphere deep enough that it can protect the world from the Weir's influence. That's right, yeah. It's like it's like a it's like a Tylenol for the Earth. <laughs> I get it. A suppository. Yeah. Sure. Yes, exactly. Gotta clear it out. So, would anywhere that we've accessed the door then would be deep enough to place the Trianglosphere, or the deeper the better? Uh, he did mention the core, so it, it's got a it's got a drop into the core of the planet. Okay, cool. Because I know we use the key in the basement of Tiakala to yeah. get to the the Starbucks. <laughs> oh, to the weird place. Yeah, no, that's yeah. actually in the weird. It doesn't have to go to the weird. The plant has to go into the core of the planet. Cool. And that's All what right. the, the, the the picture depicting it cuts the planet in half and shows the the Tylenol, the triangle sphere going down into the core and then going bloop bloop and healing the planet. Very cool. Excellent. Hope will speak up. Uh, in the diary that we found, it mentioned the solar mines was the place to take it. The diary of who? Uh, the elf who went missing. Your tungsten wheels. Yes. Yeah. Uh, tungsten. Tungsten wheels. <clears throat> This is good news, then. 
the designer of the Triangle Sphere has selected a location. But, <clears throat> unfortunately, we don't know much about the solar mines. Does anyone else have offer an opinion? The council is silent. I would suddenly get very loud and go, You don't know what you're doing there. Nothing but danger, death, and destruction await you in the solar mines. This place is bad. The fact that I'm here at all is a miracle. And the nameless ones. Oh, oh, go ahead. I yeah, was going to say, I don't know how well anyone knew the Nash that came before me or any of these other Nashes you've known. But if they didn't do a sufficient job of explaining it, let me just say this. It is a place of death, blood, tears, and agony. And if we go near that place, we must be sure we're going and we must be prepared. He would say very seriously, kind of not his normal tone. His normal kind of like, hey, hey, what's going on kind of guy. Yeah, the nameless one sits forward too and says... <clears throat> Nash speaks true. I have not been to the solar mines, but I have been a ranking member of the Koromokishi. And f- the darkest secrets of the principle are kept there. This is suicide. Must it be done this way? Admiral looks around and says, I'm ready to entertain other options. And the king, King Jalar, gets up and says, We bird folk know nothing of caves. And can offer no advice. Stupid birds. Just <laughs> you the character say that. <laughs> Moon, um, Moon speaks up and says, I know caves. Wait. My finger says that the solar mines might be a good idea. It is, it's like saying doing your own heart surgery, open heart surgery is a good idea. It might be your only choice, but it's never a good idea. I, I, I Oh, Valir, you want to go? Well, look, I am not one to immediately just jump in agreement with someone's finger, but uh, I do think that this has been leading up to this for some time. Now, Nash, I understand your reservations about going back to the solar mines. I really do, but you are our best chance of getting information about that place. And it certainly seems like we're going to need to go there. I mean... Looking at what is needed to create this trianglosphere is not easy, and we haven't even completed it yet. We are only going to get one shot at this, so if there is one place that we know it can go, that is the place we have to go. There aren't other options. I'm not saying we don't go. I'm just letting everybody know what the risks are, and they are to your very mortal end. Now, Perhaps there is hope. I escaped this this place. And with help and a whole lot of luck, perhaps we can go back in. And I'm not afraid of it. But I do not for me. I do fear for I fear for everyone else. I do know this place. 
and probably are your best hope and chance. But I just cannot overemphasize how dangerous this journey will be. Admiral speaks up and says, We're not asking for no small favor here. This is a war council. This war might be the very death of every person here. We aim to be victorious. But if the planet should die and the weir invade this world, it will make no matter whether we died fighting for it or died cowering in a corner of this solar system for death to come eventually. Even Mars, even Jupiter, Saturn, all the planets of this realm will perish. There will be no home for any of your loved ones or anyone else. Nash Magard, I say to you, will you fight for your home? Yes. Varela Rasvim Kurik, will you fight for your home? Of course. Queen Hope Akamenos, will you fight for your home? I've already been doing that. <laughs> Cheeky. <laughs> Valeronov, will you fight for your home? No, but I will fight for my people. Oh, there's a there's a silent oh moment of people of of appreciation on that on that line. Um, okay. So Admiral Chrysorius, then will n- any of you will. Uh, sorry, how should I frame this? <laughs> Will you answer the call? He says to everyone, and there's a huzzah throughout the room, uh, except for the nameless one who just seems meditative. Um, Admiral Chrysorius then says, So it's decided then to the solar mines, our fate takes us. He motions to Amanthalodar, and Amanthalodar dispels the illusion of the planet and then brings up a magical parchment that's viewable from the front from any angle that you can see it at, which is a very neat little piece of technology. Uh, Or magic, I should say. Um, And so this is why the camera issue being a thing was kind of bad. I was going to use this. So if you look at my camera, it'll be... Uh, like this. So, Admiral Chrysorius turns to you, Nash, and says, <clears throat> This is what we know of the solar mines. It's surrounded on all sides by a mountain range, and to the northeast is a single column entrance between the mountains. El Hendari has 15 remaining dropships in its fleet. There may be an assortment of vehicles available from the Liberators, as I understand. And and Nameless One says, yes, that's right. What we ask you, Nash, is what information you can provide us about what's here. The concern is if we bring dropships into this area that we would fly right into a trap and be shot out of the sky immediately. We need a plan of attack. And we need to know what's in there. 
I'll tell you now the two-columned entrance is correct and it is fortified with well at the time it was hundreds who knows what it is now but hundreds of slow peters armed to the teeth yeah the bird folk what is this slow peter you speak of Mm, they are best described as taskmasters enforcers uh, constructs that are not human or any other race for that matter. These are created of machine and magic. And how does one defeat a non-human construct called a slow Peter? Well, one problem is they seem to be slow and lumbering, but this, uh, this is a, this is just to fool people. Uh, attacking one means <clears throat> great, great peril. Uh, as far as how anyone kills them, I don't know. I I was only able to escape them through a various... Argo Moon yeah. considers his finger and looks and he says, What if they're fire? Because solar fire? What about ice spears? <laughs> he, he looks at you seriously with the question. Um... They are not run strictly... They're not powered by by fire or heat. They're powered by dark, dark magic. And they're, they're mostly machine. So whatever attack we, we mount, we'll need to keep in mind the machine nature of these beasts. They're not elemental. And a slow Peter has one feeling and one one thought if that if it can even be called that and that is to destroy you the minute it sees you okay another minute i'm just making notes here right well that's terrifying if you have any tactical information about how to defeat them that would be great if not we'll have to make do on the ground uh, what I'm interested in knowing, Nash Magod, is what buildings are there? Is it is there a, a proper mine? Is it a cave? So is it a castle? <clears throat> what, what on the surface, structures are within. On the surface, you might even call it. I don't know if beautiful is the word, but there is a pristine quality to the outside. Looking in, you'd have you'd have to be within the the mountainous complex to see this. For what I'm saying, but it's a beautiful set of structures and in the higher structures this is where they keep the children and the children are raised with culture and understanding and education and they are taught the ways of the old people and the ways of the old civilizations and and they are taught of of cultures not theirs and and they are raised to ultimately uh, become reproductive with each other But, but if they're not, if they fail to do so, which is part of the problem there, they are discarded immediately and sent to the lower levels and are sent deep within the mines where they are there to harvest all, all make of radiated material for what ultimate use I still don't know. But do you see these, 
do you see these? And I, I pull sleeves up on my robes and pull my, my hood back and just kind of, you know, bear all my sores to everybody. You have the audience's attention. I would say these are from that. I was, I was deemed un, incapable for whatever they, whatever plans they had for me and, and for those with me. And me and others were tossed to the side, made slaves, fed poorly, sick all the time. Uh, we were meant for one thing, and that is to mine as much as we could from those places until we were dead. And there would always be more to fill that space because more sterile, sterile children would be discovered and would be sent down there on their 11th or 12th birthday. And then the place would be filled with these slaves. Up top, those who were able to reproduce, uh, to father and mother children, were taken to I don't know where to do just that. But one believes, or one, one, the stories below were that they were given opulent lifestyles and all the food and, and water and, and care that they would ever need. So these scars you see on me now, these were obtained in the mines and not before. And it was that day that I was, I was torn away from any access to any of those great books or libraries or what we called the information was taken from our hands and we were sent down, 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 down to toil until we died. Slow, painful, bleeding sores, deaths happened in that mine. And the slow Peters, their job was to keep us there, to keep us on task, to get us into shape and to remove bodies when deaths happened. That's all I can tell you. How I got out of there, I can tell you and I can tell you how terrible that place is, but I don't know much more than a very brief childhood of what felt like heaven and then a very long young adulthood that felt like hell. High Elf, High Elf Emerald Chrysoris is about to interject and High Elf Amanthlodar motions to him and he does not. And then he says, you tell a chilling tale of what sounds to be a horrid place. You... But in order to accomplish the task at hand, Nash, do you remember any of the structures there for a good landing zone where we might safely reach, where military is less likely to patrol, the opposition is less likely to patrol? Do you know how we would access the mines? Well, I can only tell you this. They have land-to-air defenses, so any air attack will be repelled. Uh, there is nowhere above the mountains or the structures themselves that you won't be detected. So if this is part of your plan, you may as well throw that to the side now. Uh, and Go ahead. And then, the, then one of the one another elf speaks up and says, Are you suggesting that we forego an aerial assault and attack via the passage? on ground it may be your only way in my my way out was this that self same passage it's a long story but I'll, I'll give you the brief version of it I ended up stowing away in a sense inside the vast belly of a slow Peter oh uh, this is new <laughs> uh, with the help of 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 fellow slaves who perished in this effort 
we were able to smuggle two of us out and we did it within the within the slow peters which are again large constructs machines and when gutted properly and and so on we were able to we were able to get inside of one the problem is they uh i don't know how you'd get an army in in there in this way um only two of us escaped and when we did uh we weren't done when the, when the slow Peter we were in, inhabiting was, uh, you know, found who we were and what we were doing. We almost died. Well, this is what we mean to determine in today's council, everyone. The triangular sphere must be brought to a location where it can be deposited. I can get you a fortified uh, location. Nash will stand up, wave his arms and say, I may have one idea I hadn't considered up to this point. When I left that place... I did it under the strength of my own sweat. Uh, today, I would perhaps use more of the magic that I have acquired since. It doesn't seem too impossible that we couldn't gather many sorcerers at some point in the rear of the of the place. And by rear, he means like, you know, maybe the opposite sure. of where the entrance is, where they don't think anyone's ever going to come in. And just... So. M- Move. Yeah, I'll draw it on the map if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So down so like, like corner, right like here. bottom corner, yeah. You're saying there's a way through? I'm saying maybe Sorry, yeah. maybe enough sorcerers put their powers together and we, we mold Earth our way into that place. We move, move Earth from where it is, basically tunnel in and do it low and deep enough where we actually come up through the mines where you'll have less resistance. There'll be more... It'll be mostly slaves there if they're still there, uh, mining the material, and then you'll then you'll have some slow peters, but not a heavy amount. They're just there to keep the weak weak, so they don't they don't concentrate their forces in the in the lower reaches of the mines. They do that on top to keep people out. So, if we could tunnel there without detection, maybe other magic could be employed to reduce our chances of detection. We could, we could tunnel in and take them by surprise and take them from the rear. Once you're in, though, no guarantees. They could flood the flood the corridors, flood the flood the caves and the the elevator systems, and uh, you know, with more with more forces, and then make it really hard. But it may be our our best way. All right, um, Admiral Chrysoria says. It's an intriguing idea. If we have the means to mold Earth, as you say, to form a passage under the mountains, is this too all in? We send the whole army in this way and defeat them from within? Now, keep in mind that this could be a good plan, but if we want to have our Mad Max driving in on vehicles moment, that's, that's, I'm, so if I didn't really spell it out, so I'm just going to make sure it's sort of clear. Um, you are here to choose your fantasy in terms of this waging this war. So think about, you know, we're relying on Nash because he has knowledge of what the buildings are there. So tactically, if there's a good building, if there's good mind, like whatever you can think of to tell them about the place that you're from would help. Uh, this is a good tactic, but also um, if you want to have your we all get in vehicles and do Mad Max thing. I will say that, you know, vehicular assault might be the way to go. Uh, so so here's what I would say. to I, w- I would continue on with the group and explain 
that would only be perhaps part of the strategy and a distraction mostly. So once they got word that there was this tunneling and that they, you know, that enemies were at the rear, the the assumption would be or should be that this is a effort to release everyone. The reason that they guard that place so much is they don't want to lose the 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 human resource of of, of these slaves. No. And so if they and if they do lose them, they want to lose them slowly over time on the on the burden of their own backs. So they don't, you know, this isn't something they want somebody to just sneak in and do. So if they believe that that's happening in the back, the thinking is they would round up all the slow peters and get rounded up and sent that direction. Uh, heavily, they'd probably leave some forces, but heavily weaken uh, the frontal assault that could happen at the gate. And leave okay. things open. I for see less what you're saying. So there, w- it would be a, okay. So what you're explaining is like a you know crack team. Yeah, like a two pronged approach. Enter and so destruction as yeah. a distraction. Yeah. So you got the, your special teams, your special teams down there, and then all your your big heavy forces up top. Yeah. Okay. So, um, do you know of and like? Don't feel pressured to role play necessary, but this is your opportunity. Uh, we mentioned a bit last week to just populate. If there's anything of interest within this area, is John's Walmart that he's rumored about there? You should mention it. Like, what are what are the tactical buildings? Like, I, I don't need all of it. Just like broadly, if there's any cool structures, if there's solar panels mm-hmm. uh, everywhere, I imagine there's solar panels in places. There, there are. In no, fact, I, can, they're, they're I wanted everywhere. to do it this way because I can sketch things out based on your description and then populate. Sure, sure. For our so, uh, so yeah. all the buildings have solar panels all over them. Um, the goal of that is whatever the material it is that we were mining in the in the in the farthest under reaches of the thing needed sun to matter. So we are piping sun energy into the place, into the rock, into the material, so that it is being mined at the moment of its best condition and it requires sun to do that. If there were times of, or not sun, but solar energy, if there was times of blackout for a really long time, like a sandstorm or something that would like black things out forever, uh, or you yeah. know, like a month or something, then it would kind of shut stuff down. Um, and they would have to rely on reserves for, you know, food, water, that sort of stuff. Um, so that's true. Um, those buildings that are above ground, like I said, they're more, they're, they're in relatively pristine condition. They're not like ornate, but they're big cement, you know, square and rectangular and, and kind of clean, like government building type stuff. And in the buildings, in those buildings are these big libraries and, uh, these, these like teaching facilities where if they find fertile students and they don't know until puberty, if they are, uh, their goal is to raise up a race of, um, not race, a, a, a version of humanity that is smarter and more equipped than anybody else on the, on the planet, in the realm, in the, in the galaxy, everywhere. And their goal is, if they do this long enough, very strategically, and they're thinking on, you know, they think in decades, not on weeks or, or months, that eventually they'll have such a vastly superior intellectual and prepared uh, group of people with vast riches they've been mining for all of that time that gives them all sorts of power and, and, and capabilities, magically and otherwise, that they would be able to sort of, at some point, break out of this and 
take over everything is the goal. So, so every kid that can't, uh, and the reason so many can't have children is of the, the irradiation of the world itself. Like this is just kind of a problem in general. And in my mind, you know, the humans are in particular, were struggling with this a little bit. Okay. And so right. this is a group that thinks they have that solved. But as soon as they see that that part, you know, that there's no reproductive uh, use for you, you are down in the basements. Now in the basements, there's not basements down in the I have, catacombs. I have, view, I have a basement view here. Oh, very nice. So down there, uh, there's like a sub level where there's like equipment and machinery and stuff just for work or whatever. But then these huge elevators take you lower, and there's a big level of nothing but just really crappy living quarters. And by that, I just mean like carved out spaces with cots and shitty beds, and you know, just a bad place to be and exist. Um, and they keep hundreds where there should be tens of people. Um, many of them die there just of dysentery and, you know, yeah. all, all the you things You mentioned flooding. Happen. So they guess if there's ever a riot with the under people. Yeah, they can um, just flood them out. They, they just flood them with, with lava. Yeah, correct. They can totally do that because the way that this, okay. this stuff down there is, is, is kerjiggered is the sun's, the sun's rays power the panels some of that's just used for power, but most of it is funneled down through complex, you know, widgets that basically activate the the rock in a way that creates this material that's very valuable, thus making it, you know, the solar mines. And a lot of people think, oh, well, they're just mining solar power. And that is on the outside what it looks like. But deep down in there, this is where all the secrets are. Um. So, yeah, so you got your living quarters, then you got... Then you keep going down and then you've got where they're just working and carving out. And there have been cave-ins and mass killings and then go back in there, clear it out, you know, find a bunch of bones and bodies, keep going until another cave-in and they don't care. If you die, you die. It's not a big deal. Okay. All right. So um, I've, so in the effort of separating the lore from the tactical information, um, what I'm getting here is that there's solar panels, government buildings, and slow peters. Uh, that would be defending on the surface for the most part. And there's these high rises with um, structures where there are people who are, the children are, are taught to be awesome or then sent to under the underbelly. Yeah. Then we have the underbelly and associated things. And there's, so, a, there's a leader in the center, center of all of this who would be in one of these high rise buildings, lives a very opulent life, is untouchable. There's no democracy here. He just is in charge for as long as he lives. And uh, he's somewhere in the center. Nash does not know his name. Um, in fact, they called him the Emperor with no name. Oh, Emperor with no name. Yeah. All right. Made him all the more mysterious. And when you would him. see him, you'd see him and hear his voice occasionally. His voice would come over loudspeakers in the mines and say things like, to work is to flourish. To flourish is to live. You know, this sort of stuff. Just bullshit. Mm-hmm. Propaganda. Mm-hmm. And it was okay. it would be in his voice. And if he ever was anywhere publicly where anybody could see him outside of whatever his inner circle is, um, he was always hooded or masked or, you know, you didn't know what he looked like. All right. So you take time to explain this all to Admiral Chrysorius. And a good hour now passes in the meeting as you describe everything you remember if you finally let it out that that through all this time uh you've been very you know 
through all this time we've been playing, you've not spoke about it in any great detail, and all of a sudden you're just it's just an avalanche of emotion uh, as you just like angry as you just tell them what they want, know, and beyond because they're looking for tactical approach, but you give the entire you know makeup of of, uh, of the place, and then you know the room is silent after you you're done. I don't know if you want to cap off with any sort of flourish. Uh, Nash would sit there quietly for a minute consider it and then say uh, the truth is this I never thought I would go back to that place and if I did I might never return from it again so take this information and do with it what you will thank you for sharing that information with us Nash now the other aspect we do know is that because of the destruction of principal city that this is likely to be the new home base of the principal. And then the illusion appears, changes from the map to a picture of the principal. Chrome, man, large muscle, blue ley lines covering his body, and ten rings. The principal also has forces that number in the thousands. And then they go, he changes the illusion to show the appearances of the following. The Toyota host the Koromo Kishi, nameless one spits. The umbilical order of paladins, and you see, remember Renko? You fought a long time ago, who had the big power armor as a picture of a a man in power armor. And the dragon sons, and you've encountered these as well, sorcerers, not unlike Nash in some way. We expect these forces to also be present, in addition to the slow Peters and the Emperor with no name, and what other other dangers we might find that we don't know of. But this is good information, Nash. We know that it's likely government buildings. It doesn't sound like you've noticed that there's any artillery, apart from what the Slowpeters might offer. All I had was rumor, rumor that we dominated the skies above the facilities, and... Uh... Oh, and and then some. When as children we would we would read some of this, and it wasn't all history. Sometimes we would read about our capabilities, and it seems to me there was something there. But again, I was eight or nine. Well, we have to figure out what we're going to be doing with our forces. We have forces of our own. Vorel, you have brought your people with you. Will they fight? They will fight if. Properly motivated. And how many are in the number? Or what do how they ma- number? How many were there? There was like 60 of them or 30 or something. Uh, I can't remember what I said, but definitely in the 50 to 100 range. So we'll just say around, I know, maybe it was 70. Let's yeah, say 75 sounds about right. Yeah, I'm writing it down now, though. Um, there are 300 elves here. He says... He looks to um, Hargomun. Of your giant folk who will fight with us, how many are their number? Hargomun looks at his finger and he says, Five! King Jela Kridoskop, of your people, how many are, are, are fighters? And he says, We can commit no more than 64 to the cause. 
Queen Orifi. Or no, sorry, he doesn't refer to you as that because you just called yourself Hope. He says, Hope, your tiefling numbers, who can fight? Most are dead. There's no one I know. Well, some tieflings came back on the dropship early before. Uh, there's no there's no fighters that you can commit to the cause. She'll shake I, her head no. She wouldn't offer up. After everything they've been through, she couldn't possibly ask them to. Nobiary leans over and says, at least I will volunteer. If it's your choice, you do it. But I won't. Not after everything we've been through. Uh, the the orc, the nameless one. Why won't the tieflings offer help in this tower of need? Do they get special exemption for participation in this? He's looking to you, Hope. Hope won't even look back at him. She doesn't care who he is. <laughs> okay. <Stupid> and, uh... <laughs> Valir or Noth. Oh, never mind. He didn't say that. Or he, he, someone spoke for the elves. It's, I got mixed up on something. Sorry. Um, then he looks to... Um, who's left? Sorry, I missed somebody. We got the bird folk, the elves, the giants, the lizard folk, the tieflings. And I'm missing one. Who am I missing, guys? I uh, think you got them all. You may have got the them all. people I wrote in attendance is Nameless One, uh, yeah. Hargo Moon, King Jilir, Jilir, Nobieri, Amanthalodar, and Admiral Chrysoris. So the size of our army is about 450. We have 15 dropships. Oh, sorry, there was one. It's the Nameless One. He looks to the nameless one. He says, "Nameless one, how many number your liberators?" And he says, "We number about forty-nine. I want to say, just say fifty. So there are fifty liberators. Right. So that's about five hundred is the size of our army. We have fifteen drop ships. We have." How many vehicles? You said 20? There's 20. I'm writing that down now. I probably said something different earlier. But I think do we need 15, any more than that? That's okay. 20 is good. Oh, I said 15? I think so. I'm not sure. Or maybe that was dropships. Yeah, it's 15 dropships. Yeah, never mind. Now we have to decide where we're going to place, like, what the tactics are for the war that we're going to engage upon. I turn to the Heroes of the Waste, for it is the Heroes of the Waste who will be Escorting the Triangulosphere to its destination. Oh, I'm saying the wrong voice. For it will be <laughs> the heroes of the waste, presumably, you'll be the ones to carry the Triangulosphere where it needs to go. Yes? Why do we exclude the people of the planet in this plan? They are all the people of the planet. The humans, the Trashburg citizens, the jewelers' forces. Surely they would want to defend their own world from insemination. The Liberators are the only ones that answered the call. The remaining humans fight for the Toyota host. Uh, or what did dead. you? D- what call? 
Did you arrive and said, I'm from Mars? <laughs> we did arrive by dropship, yes, and explain this. <laughs> Perhaps you should arrive by vehicle with dust at your back and impress them. A, if you're looking for ragtag forces to scream and holler, there are a few better at such chaos than my friend Bok Bok here. Bok Bok looks up and he goes, Bok Bok stands up immediately. Um, he sees your point and, and he looks at this as a new suggestion. He says, I don't know who this is, Bok Bok. Nice to meet you. It seems would be good time for him to introduce himself. This will, go, this will go well. Um, <laughs> I thought you were gonna, I thought, <laughs> I'm sure no problem. I, I'm Bok Bok. I'm from Boogie Arf. And Bok Bok been thinking. Bok Bok. Elf, bring Bok Bok. Back to Boogie Earth. Bok Bok go to Gobbies. Bok Bok go to King Gobby. Bok Bok challenge King Gobby. Bok Bok become king of Gobbies. Bok Bok save Earth as normal. Always saving heroes. <laughs> we'll get army or we'll get Gobby army. Give me fly thing. And blowy. Yes, we make blowy on <laughs> on library. You see? Bok Bok. Oh, yeah. Well said, well said, Bok Bok. Very well said. The people will defend their own planet if, much as my folk, are properly motivated and addressed with kindness and respect rather than from above and threatened with emotional grenades. This <laughs> operation concerns every single creature and being upon that planet and they should be given a chance for their own glory. Admiral Chrysorius bows before you says I agree I, I I knew not of Bok Bok or his ascendancy to kingship. Tell me, Bok Bok, how many gobbies are available? Bok Bok looks, counts on his finger, he says, One million! Million? Million. He looks at you sort of puzzling for a like, lot. Can you back him up on that? Like, he's not sure if he's saying the right word. And I'll do zero, 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 zero. On my fingers, zero, zero. It's, um, wait. Six, six zeros, Bok Bok? Maybe. Many gobbies. Maybe three zeros, Bok Bok? Mm, four, maybe four. Four, four, four zero million. That's ten thousand buck buck. Oh, ten thousand buck buck. He says to everyone, 
Elf, give me bird, bird car. Me go to Boogie Arf, and then come back and make blowy on uh, everything. The big Boogie Arf. And then he farts. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. Of course. Sounds like farts around you. Um, so, um, Bok-Bok has essentially just offered 10,000 goblins should he become king. It sounds like the kind of thing that he might get up to while you go to Pentelvice and deal with that. He says, okay, me go now. Get me birdie. And he begins leaving. And he walks out. Everyone lets him walk out. Um, Admiral Chrysoris then turns to you, Varel, and says, as to the heroes, he turns to everyone, should anyone know of any other civilizations welcome, uh, wishing to assist in this, we will send ships to that civilization. While the heroes of the Wastes go and find Tungsten Wheel for the Trianglosphere. Please let Do me not- know. Do not arrive in ships for these people. You must approach them as citizens of Earth. Find the one Jimster. Allow him to outfit you with a wheeled vehicle that you may approach them in. Tell them of the solar mine. Okay, break a persuasion roll. You know I'm good. Oh, snap a 19. Ooh. And Mokrysorius heeds your advice. They're going. You can tell he's absolutely going to get a vehicle from Jimster and approach any other civilizations as Earthlings and not as uh, spacemen. He, he for sure is. He's listening to you one hundred percent. Nice. Stanley right. would finally kind of speak up and say, "Most of the people that I've come across on my journey are already committed or in this room, but uh, I do think that there is another who certainly has knowledge of the world." and has certainly been around long enough to have made connections that perhaps we are missing. I think it's important that this individual does their part to ensure the future of the planet, and considering that they are part of the reason why we have committed to this cause, I think Monsoon Cabbage should use the resources at his disposal to see if he can find assistance for us. And Stanley will turn and look into the crowd where he yeah. saw Monsoon Cabbage slip in. So to inform those of low perception, uh, you did not see Monsoon Cabbage. Uh, you now see that he is sitting among them, hooded, away from the shafts of sunlight. He looks to Stanley, and then he stands up and says... I'm here to offer my aid. It is not much. But I too will fight in this war. You can add a vampire to the list in your military. Sorry, a vampire knight, he says. And I'm writing it down. And then he sits back down, says nothing further. Okay, so now we're at a point where, for for me, the DM, to you as players, this is where it's choose your own adventure. 
You're going to be going after the Triangulosphere in the near future, but upon your return, we are going to war. So you, as the heroes of the Waste, as the smartest people and most adventurous in the room, get to decide what the tactics are for this military. You have 50 liberators, 75 lizard folk, 300 elves, 5 giants, 64 bird folk, uh, 1 tiefling, and a vampire knight, as well as yourselves, uh, and maybe Bok Bok and his 10,000 goblins. He's got to go defeat the do, king. I think we can do one better. Mm-hmm. Because, look, if we're going to war... We already know someone who not only is quite skilled at it, but thrives on it and has sought it out many, many times. Someone who I am supposed to escort to the Feywild when this is all done. Thus, our mission hinges on its success. And I think that if we are going to war, the Archfey of Carnage most certainly should be present. Ooh, that has a bad reaction to... I may roll a persuasion roll. Oh, hang on. That's too early. That has a bad reaction to the elves. We'll wait for the persuasion roll, because that's... You're going to need to persuade them to do this. Can the he tell? Diantalus has a bad history of being unleashed in wars and then going way too far and ruining everything. So um, it's a tough suggestion. It's so There's silence. And Amantha Lodar says... Now, we must counsel caution for Lear with a weapon of such destructive force. We are dealing with the end of the entire world. This is a game where you put all your pieces on the table. You do not hold back for another stage. This is it. If we don't succeed, the earth will be destroyed. The end of it. And while some of you may feel safe sitting on your terraformed platform here on Mars with just the little remnants of your society, it's not going to be enough. Now, if anybody here has a reason to hate Diantalus, it is me. He has taken up residency in my body and forced me to do things that I would never have wanted to do. And even I am willing to put that aside to say that at this time, we need allies. He has given me his word, and I believe him. He's a creature of Fae. He does not typically lie, at least so overtly. I think he could be a great use to us. I understand the history. I understand the concern, and I would be lying if I didn't say I at least somewhat shared it. But this is all or nothing. Why on earth would we just set him aside and have him watch? Honestly, I'm more afraid of what he might get into sitting on the sidelines watching everybody <laughs> else go off to war. That is a fantastic point. But for the sake of dra- dramatics, Admiral Chrysorius reacts and says, Do you not know that he was present at the last apocalypse this planet <laughs> experienced? And then Amantha Lodar holds his arm. And now you may roll your persuasion roll to see what... To convince the elven people... Uh, that they're going to go along with this Holy crap, insane dude. Idea. I think he's done it. I think he might have done I didn't it. See, I didn't see the roll. It's a 34. <laughs> it's a 19 plus 15. Amantha Lodar holds Chrysorius's arm and says, Stanley is not wrong. We need every weapon at our disposal. The world breaker is nigh. 
And that's the last piece of information that we have to discuss at this war council. I think we should retreat for recess while we come up with a specific battle plan for the war. But before we do, we must also incorporate this objective of destroying the world breaker. For even if we deposit this triangulosphere where it needs to be, the world breaker will also need to be vanquished. Now, we know little of what it is, but we do we did identify what it might be. And then it, in, in the illusion, it brings up a picture of what it might be. And you see an impossible shape of a creature that you don't know what it is, reduced many sizes smaller. You know how large this thing is. And then uh, uh, Manthloder says, this, what you're looking at, is a Tarrasque. And with that, we'll go to recess. And you can think about you can think about what the war plans are going. The whole point of this war council is to decide what the war will look like when you return from Pentel Vice. Kick back, think about it a little bit, and we'll discuss it further upon your return. Nice. It's fun to watch Kyle's face when you said Tarask. Uh, excellent. We will be back in about ten. Everybody, go take a break. Go pee. Do whatever you got to do. We'll be back for more. There will be dungeons. We'll see you then. All right, we're back for part two of today's adventure. Bo, back to you. The room gets quiet at the sight of the large Tarrasque as part of the illusion, and the illusion vanishes. And Amantha Lodar looks to everyone and says, We have Elhendari people focused on learning all we can about how to defeat it. The reason we've had this meeting today, this war council, is to begin our battle preparations while the heroes of the Waste find Tungsten Wheel and Glob's Warp that is needed for the construction of the Trianglosphere. Upon their return, we wish to be ready. So he turns to the heroes of the Waste and he says, It would be good to consider any tasks that we must do now so that we can have it ready in time for your return. I open the floor to strategy at this point. And um, just so you guys have it, I will give you, I will, I'll type out the list, but uh, you're open to make um, the suggestions. I'll open the list of resources that I, I'm, I have for the military forces. The sort of goal would just be to preliminarily decide what to do with them. I think the battle chat upon your return, there could be another war council potentially. So this could change. Um, but I will send you the list of the military and what we have. And you can start, you can, you're open to discuss. The strategy session is open. This thing's is something you're sticking in Slack. Yeah, I'll put it in the stack. I just got to actually type it out. I wrote it by hand, so it'll just be, right. it'll just be a second. Is the Tarrasque image still up on the elf projector? Uh, no, he, he removed it, but you, you could request him to put it back, I guess. Put that incredible beast back up. The image of the Tarrasque is returned. Ah, and I'll... I'll walk between the people stepping on the bleachers of the of the seating, as it were, 
uh, to make my way out onto the floor and like really walk around that image and, and soak it in. Yeah, I will send you the generic art for it. Uh, the d- main difference would be that due to this being, you know, a, a weird demon, it is black and um, black and purple and has uh, is much more f- uh, fanged and jagged than the than the picture I'm sending. But yeah. But whatever hubbub may continue around it, uh, Varel will be commenting on how this should have been the focus of this meeting. What an incredible beast. <laughs> what an absolute beauty, the majesty of this creature. Okay. So I'll just need a second. Sorry. So from what I know in D&D, this is like the big bad of all time, right? Tarask is as it's, bad as it gets. It's a legendary. It's a creature of legend, yes, of great difficulty. Right. And then in 3.5, you can't kill it. You can only wish it away with a wish spell. Really? Yeah, it looks like 5 got rid of it, but 3.5, yeah. So back then you had... You had to wish it. How would that even work? You need to be what high enough level to even have access to the wish spell, and then hope it yeah. goes off correctly. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, if, if permission to permission to historically table talk. Yeah, from yeah, the yeah Okay, yeah, we're, we're hanging out playing D anD. d You can do whatever you want, man. I, it was basically it's Godzilla, and much like Godzilla, you couldn't defeat it merely wounded enough so it went away and took a nap. It goes back to the ocean very slowly. Right. And no matter how many times you nuked it, it would, you know, somehow come back for the next movie. All right. Wow. I knew it was big and bad. I didn't know it was that big and bad. But this is a a weir rask. So the table knowledge. Yeah. To give you some context, uh, the difficulty, the the combat rating, which is... um, what 5e uses for the difficulty so if something has a cr of 10 that means four 10th level players fighting one of them is a challenge this creature has a cr of 30 and the max level of DD is 20 for some context wow yeah in other words don't try it we're gonna need a lot of gobbies <laughs> Drop gobbies on them. Yep, just a big blanket the place with gobbies. Load them up in a plane with some dynamite and just drop them. That's some okay, 40, so 40k shit right there. <laughs> yeah. There may be more to learn. The, the curing of the planet being the priority objective and then getting rid of that thing. I mean, unless you decide to do it in a different order. Um, is is sort of the implied one order of things. Now, um, looking again at uh, the map here, what what I would like for you guys to do is decide where the forces would be. So we have <clears throat> three points of attack. We have. Um, let me get a different color here. We have three points of attack that have been discussed. I don't know if I have. I'll just use a paintbrush. Whatever. Um, we have the passage in right there. We have air assault 
and we seemingly have a mold earth passage as a plan. Um, so it might just be enough to decide those forces that I sent, who would be part of what, or, you know, you guys, you guys are deciding what, what the attack will look like with this military that I've just shown. Well, the elves are trained in air dropship. So I think it would be silly to ask them to do some, to do something outside of what they're trained in. And the lizard folk know, um, ground combat. Now, would the lizard folk go under the earth more naturally, or would they use vehicles as part of the attack? I think the goblins would do the vehicles. Nasty thing. Well, we're going to get the giants in the tunnels, and I don't think they're going to do well on airships, so I think giants are pretty much dedicated to the pass. Okay, so giants. So I'm going to write this down. Kyle, can your your lizards do, like, Fremen stuff, like... uh, Quick burrows and then surprise attacks and all that crap. I was looking that up. Yeah, stealth in. Well, that's the the stealth is special to me as a. a, So we have hunter's lure, which gives you advantage or um, proficiency in stealth. So likely a lot of them are stealthy, but I also have advantage because of my my frog behemoth mutation business. So they're not all as stealthy as I am, though most of them will have high survivability. So we could put them through a mountain pass and have them sneak in the back. Also, keep in mind, when I left that place, uh, Slow Peters didn't have ground-to-air them, themselves. Their, their rumors were that there was ground-to-air defense of some kind. But mm-hmm. the, the security detail and the, you know, sort of the, the masses of those guys are not meant for that. So there could be an opportunity to get them somehow rounded up in a place where air power from both elves and maybe even me and other dragons, if we can get them, could do a whole lot of a whole lot of good work there. We just don't. I, I mean, just don't know what the defense. That's a are. good question too. I mean, they always say don't divide the party, but there is a thought to be had as far as dividing the party to where different people go with different things Nash being able to be a dragon would be a great asset to the air forces I have a ship that I believe I saw cannons on that could join the air forces Nash knows Mold Earth so he could certainly go with that group Varel would certainly work well in that group Hope drives really well so she would do well in that group so I, I think there's actually even a scenario where we go different directions but also, the triangulosphere is very big, so I think that pretty much guarantees that it's going to have to come in through the mountain pass. Because if the idea is to draw them away, that's going to be the least defended. We don't want it to get damaged, so I would think that it would have to make that journey or maybe a dropship. But um, being big, I don't think it can go in through the tunnel. So... Not knowing what the air defenses are, I would think it would go through the pass. Who would be in charge of... Could I have the... uh... Bo, could I have the world map up in Roll20? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Oh, wait. Uh, Well, I guess it doesn't matter. We can put that here. I don't think there's spoilers in here. So... Big issue is coordination so we just need to go to an alternate reality and get co 
and then we can set up the psychic network and then we can all <laughs> pull this up really well. So the solar mines is there. Could you move it to the player level so I could look around? Oh, I, sorry, I forgot to. It, I meant to do that. Sorry, I always forget to do that. There you go. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, All right. So, who was the faction? So I know, I know the worm priests were part of this, but Carvalon, who was the faction that chased us in and embedded us deeper in there? The faction there, there. Well, there was the ta- the lizard folk that had the worms. Yeah, they were defending um, it. But after we arrived, a group came in the back. Oh, that's right. Who did come in the back? It was a bunch of, was it bugbears? Oh, right. Yes. Weren't they bugbears? You know what? I'm drawing a complete, it's been so long, I have a complete blank I think it was Mm bugbears. We were using the portal gun to kill them, but they were like way outnumbering us. I remember that because I drew one that day. That's the only reason I remember it. We drew, I drew a bugbear. I need to go back and listen. I yeah. on a complete blank. But I think they were under like Dolopopio control as well. I think. Okay. I think. Because we could seriously upgrade our lizard platoon by going back to Caravalon and getting all the super lizard suits and laser swords. There was tons of them and all the potions as well. Yeah. True. Somewhere we have... Uh, a person named Siri or Sira, depending on the day, uh, with an airship. Uh, Who's that? The that little the, elf girl. That was the elf girl. Oh, right. Back when we met, like, the X-Men. That's right. <laughs> yeah, the, um, I forget. I think they, sometimes, it was just a little girl. Her, yeah, sometimes we called her Siri, sometimes we called her Sira. Sort of just depended on the map. I think it was Sira, her name. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they partnered with Carter's character, right? Yeah. 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 That's right. And then there's uh, there's there's space uh, (laughs) space Ben. (laughs) Space Ben. We got a space Ben. We can call on him. Go to space. Maybe we'll find chance. Who knows? (laughs) That's some serious air support, (laughs) like way out there. This is a little halfling. Well, that would be, uh, you know, if if Nash was to go on some sort of dragon adventure and find any dragons or something like that, there is a world where we could split up. I would take the lizard folk to Carvalon and get them outfitted and improved. Yeah, because you could turn them all into, like, they'd have those dragon killers and all of that, like that armor and stuff. Yeah. Depending on how much is left, we don't know what the laser did to all of it. Right, the whole place may be a big hole. But we got a ship. We can get there quick. Yeah. Because we're going to get the, the, the people and cars from uh, Tiakala and then the Liberator. So the Liberator camp is the would be um, the jeweler's faction, right? Yeah, it's the jeweler. Okay. It's, it's like a hodgepodge of mostly humans, but various races grouped together against the principal and slave town. Cool, cool. So but we, they've been in the past. There's a three month period, you know, where we, you know, we let three months go by, like, and they've still been operating. Who knows what other vigilante antics they've gotten up to in the excellent. realm? Yeah. Uh, but this is all, of course, based on you know getting more people visiting all these sort of. Well, so ab- you 
the idea would be you're going on your adventure to get tungsten wheel, but yeah, there's 15. Like you can send elves out to go and do these things while you're away. So, for example, getting armaments from Caravalon might be a task. Like I can write that down as a task that they'll take care of. One task is definitely happening: is Bok 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 will attempt to be king. <laughs> I shall be king. <laughs> Yeah, I'd tell him to uh, keep an eye out for a... What was she? Was she a gnome named Eddie? Yeah. And uh, no. then a human girl named Sira. Was she an elf girl? Yeah, she's an elf girl because they cut her ears she off. She's an elf girl, yeah. yeah. Eddie and um, Sira. They Oops. might have a airship of sorts and be in the area of Kervalon. That's where we last saw them at least. Eddie and Sarah, mutant airships find. That's what I'll write. Uh, send people to Tietkala. Get the word out in case anybody is still alive there. And if anybody wants to fight, but also the cars. Survivors bring vehicles. Okay, well, we're going to do that for sure. Yep, and then uh, Caravalon for the little lizards. Okay. Uh, oops. Oh, sorry. Care. The lawn outfit lizards. Anti dragon armaments. Okay. I wish I didn't pick this color. Okay. <laughs> it's very bright. As for uh, the other place, my mind goes. It's mostly to the airship. So we're properly outfitted for our journey. But I do like uh, I do like John's idea. If we can find a way to coordinate, it might be a really good idea to put the various faction leaders, which would be us, in charge of the various platoons that we're invading with and then have a meetup plan. Unless... Are we going to sneak in? I guess that's our big player decision is are are we as a party sneaking in? I like the idea of sneaking in because I play a rogue in all things, but we do have to get in with the triangulosphere, which is, I think Bo said it was like the size of a small room. Could we yeah, put it in? in number, maybe like, let's say 10 feet in diameter. Big sphere thing. What if we put it in a book since Nobieri knows something of that magic. Hmm. He was trapped in a book. Yeah, like, could we could we use that knowledge to put you know, something no, of that size Can we put book? this in a book? Yeah. Hmm. That's just testing my memory now. I think he was trapped there by someone else. It wasn't the, the book, him being in the book, I don't think was his doing. Right, he was cursed, uh, yeah. banished to the book in some yeah. fashion. Likely by the vampires that took over. He knew the secrets and was banished to the book. So it wasn't his spell. Not not an option, I don't think. I mean, but, we okay. could also have some people go and check out Principal City, whatever's left of it. Maybe there's a decent chance that there's some people there that aren't too pleased with the principal blowing up his own place. Oh, there's got to be discontented something out there that we could rile up. 
Like when we once we get in, we're gonna go full probably Temple of Doom with everyone in there. And all those kids are gonna help with the revolt. Well, they all start chucking rocks at everybody and you know, kind of finally they can fight for themselves. <clears throat> but on the outside there's there's gotta Sorry. be like well, we just overwhelm them in numbers, you know. Can we send a reconnaissance team to get a bit more information? And what we're You won't have with? time. You're gonna be leaving for you're gonna be leaving imminently. But you know, so But when we uh, come back, the reconnaissance team could have gathered a lot more information on the place, yeah? Yeah, but it may be time the world eater is birthing. It, it it may it may make you know there may be some dramatic timing involved with coming back in time to fair enough to, right right you know it's time to go when you come back so the directives I think the best way forward is to plan you can you know send them off to do things but in terms of going to get information and coming back with it probably not it's not going to hey, work out what about don't we have a lot of Nashes do they all have dragon hearts or is that just Nash, Nash? <laughs> oh man. Can we tap? I'm glad you asked. We could check out Planet Nash. Yeah, Planet Nash is a place available for you to go in your airship, and um, who knows what options they might present. And you would have time to to swing by there before moving on. That travels fairly instantaneous, so a quick visit. Plus, Angela Ashy seemed to want to go there really badly, Mm -hmm. so. She did. Maybe she That's could be our liaison there. To set That's something up. you can just decide to do. Yep, I'll, I'll make a note of it. Uh, ask Tower Nash <laughs> about Nash power. Wait, remember the, the, what the sorcerer team is? It's just a bunch of Nashes. Yeah, like, ah, we're just gonna get through this wall. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. I don't think they've all got the heart, though, right? That's one of the unique things about, well, maybe. I don't know. You don't have the heart, kid. Yeah, you don't have the heart, kid. You can't do it. I just love the idea of Dragon Nash (laughs) flying along, being chased by the principal, and then principal gets shot, and up in the top comes Nash flying in. (laughs) Just a bunch of Nashes. One of them's a tower. Great fireball, kid. That's a one of a million. (laughs) 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 Woohoo! hilarious i love that idea all right so we got bok bok will attempt to be king bring ten thousand goblins eddie and syrah we're gonna find them tiet kalau look for survivors bring vehicles caravalon outfit lizards and anti-dragon armaments uh check for survivors of principal city to join the revolt and then we're gonna you you can decide whether you want to visit tower nash and ask about nash powers uh, and then we also need to just make sure that we have a one of our vehicles is. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's better to bring it on the airship. I don't know. I was just going to say we need a, you know. Like a, a payload. We, we, we're going to probably need a payload that we all can guard that has the, the thing on it. I just don't know if we put it on the air group or on the ground group or which. Group. You still have that wand. That you can enclose things in and float it around. Oh, right. That's true. I think I still do have that for me. Look. Might be a useful little item for something like getting the triangle sphere around. Instead of carrying it. It doesn't shrink it for you, but it does make it weigh nothing. Which would be interesting. If it works. Why do I feel like something happened to that wand? 
Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I feel like I broke it, and it's not in my inventory anymore. Mm, that I might know it was for a time. Was broken. Stanley does do dramatic things. He might have just broken the wand. But you just got like we were there. Then you fought. I don't know that. I don't know that you lost it. I don't recollect a case where you. Oh, Dyn's house timeout wand. It's right there. Yeah. This wand can be channeled to cause. Uh, yeah, but it's only two foot by two foot by two foot. Oh, doesn't cast a spell. Uh, no. Oh. Oh well. Sorry. Couldn't we also? You know, this is a little off the beaten path, but should we need it? We do have airships, and we could get a whole lot of oil to dump upon the solar mines. Mm. We wanted... But if that's on fire, how do we get through? Well, everyone within my aura has fire protection. Yeah. Pharrell's about... fireproof. He doesn't understand this problem. <laughs> so it's on It's on fire. Are you, are you smoldering yet, Pharrell? No, you only know? when I'm raging. Okay. All right. Yeah. You literally smolder with heat and steam and stuff. Um, Nash would be concerned about that plan as he is interested in if possible saving as many souls there as possible dumping, dumping fire would not be good for that not that we can't but he would be he would have a moral opposition to that counterpoint if we drain the oil lake I might be able to find an immovable rod <laughs> <laughs> yeah just down there waiting for you. It's like <laughs> I miss it so bad. Yeah, you just gotta, you gotta, uh, what, what's his name out there? Smeagol. Just smeagol your way out there on a boat and get it. <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to make some? Want to put some pieces in place and then play around with them? I think we got a, a pretty good start. You know, so I think we got a uh, elves dropships and elves are going to go for the aerial assault, even if you don't know the specific instruction. Yeah, I'd say I'd say for aerial assault, definitely elves, probably bird folk, because that just sort of makes sense. Uh, um, right, sixty-four bird, bird folk, bird folk. Uh, was so say fifteen dropships. Okay. So I would think that would be that. I think the ones we know for a fact are giants are going to have to go through the pass as simply a logistics deal. Mm-hmm. I think liberators, you got humans, probably better chance of driving. So I think that's where they would be at the very least. Okay, so we got liberators check. And then lizard uh, folk, did we decide if they were going through tunnels or going through the pass and maybe even trying to go through the pass early? Oh, oh man, I got all the items got destroyed. I feel like the spacesuit ruined the stealth, if I'm correct. Well, that's true. If they're going to be outfitted, I feel like they go through the pass, like, for sure. Yeah, let them have so the glory of the They got the grappling the shoulders. They got yeah. the grappling shoulders that they could like latch onto vehicles and you know rip them up to shreds that's true yeah they could even uh spider-man their way through the mountains and honestly with 300 elves that is enough elves where some elves can go through the pass 
I guess you, know. you don't want 300 elves up there anymore. Well, I mean, we can. I'm just saying, like, oh, you're just you know, yeah. I'm gonna yeah, yeah. Never mind me. You're discussing it, of course. That's, that's a lot of that's it's, a lot of body. It's your show. This is the Heroes of the Waste show. I'm I'm merely gonna note down your decisions. And if we get 10,000 goblins, uh, th- those there's goblins with everybody. I feel like everybody gets a goblin. Are, are you sure about that? Do you want goblins on a dropship? No, <laughs> make a charge. Just you just but. Toss them. What this? And the ship blows up. <laughs> Plus, you know, I've been playing uh, Total War Warhammer, so the idea of commando, your goblin forces are under attack, and them all driving up in cars is just awesome. Yeah. They need right, to. So they have the ten- license. They need to make a 40k version of that game. By the way, I would love mm. that so much. Oh my gosh, I would love it. Okay, so we're going to just check off the goblins for the ground assault, and we, everything can be changed. I'm just going to note them there. So the lizard folk, now we also have um, remaining Tiefling Nobieri, Vampire Knight, that's Monsoon, and then Diantalus, which that you may want to think about because they may play tactical roles for you. Well, Hope would consult Nobieri and Monsoon and ask them because they know their powers way more than Hope would, so she would consult them and ask if they had thoughts, uh, what they would suggest, and where they would want to be. And we can say the discussion now, like, people don't have to necessarily say steeded as people, well, no, they're still discussing it. Okay, let's just picture it that way. Um, Monsoon, now, you remember you had a vision of the time before the Scorching Hope? You actually saw the vampire knights battling dragons where they would wear full covering and like bamf out of drop ships and fight in the air, latching onto dragons and ripping them to shreds. Um, so, my thought, and that that's given that that's Hope's firsthand experience of a vampire knight, would be that they're aerial fighters. Uh, and then once he gets on the ground, he can probably do a lot of damage on his own. Yeah, I figure he and Nobieri are solo agents. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, we'll say Monsoon, Cabbage, Vampire Knight on the Aerial Assault. is. You can always change this. I'm just going to note it down there because va- like, Vampires versus Dragons is an awesome movie that hasn't been made yet. <laughs> yet. Now, this is going way back to Mog Farain. Did all the skeletons fall apart there? Yeah, they did. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Because okay. Quaz was keeping them alive, drinking the dreams of um, the queen there. Can't remember. Okay. Because I was thinking that might be a cool place to send a guy who uh, has zombies and such to get a little army action. Mm-hmm. Man, I mean, Nobieri, known for raising some zombies, he might be able to get a zombie army going. Yeah, where would we send him for that? Principal the... City. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Principal City is cool. a good spot. Yeah. For harvesting, yeah, harvesting corpses. He's a necromancer. Yeah, I think I think we've got a mission for him. He could also probably make a bunch of zombies that could carry the triangle sphere for you too, just as a thought. Be kind of uh, slow for sure. <laughs> I think a vehicle is faster, but you know something about that too. It's like, oh, look out, we're the good guys, <laughs> the horde of zombies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stanley would feel a, a level of responsibility for talking everybody into bringing Diantalis. So, uh, unless 
ultimately decided otherwise, he would try to keep him close to keep an eye on him. So he Dientalus would be with you. So just figuring out where you where you got you're going. Yeah. All right. So just to cover, um, recap, we've got preliminarily three hundred elves in the drop ships with the bird folk and monsoon cabbage on an aerial assault. We got giants, liberators, ten thousand goblins. So far, twenty vehicles, maybe more, um, from Tiakala, but for now, twenty vehicles on ground assault. We still didn't place anything for through the mountains or underground assault. We have lizard folk to place, and um, and uh, Nobieri and Dientalus. And you can place even assuming like these things happen. You we can go ahead and preemptively place Eddie and Sarah if you want as well. Just and and whatever Nash is bringing, and well, then you should discuss. Be, yeah. They'd probably be doing an airship if they showed up. So I would think. Ariel for them. Eddie and Sarah. And uh, for Nobieri and his undead army, they'll go in first so that we have a better understanding of where everything is. They okay. can uh, they can get us where enemies are that we can, you know, take like the first the, attacks. Through the, through the mountains, basically? Maybe, I don't know if Nobieri's powerful enough to split them up, but little contingents in all of the areas they could exist. I don't know if airship, they could do it would, on ground. He would likely have to keep them nearby. I don't know. They follow okay. his command. I think they're in his control. I don't think there's a range on it, actually. I think he can send them. But they only follow simple instructions. That's fine, because all they would need to do is walk forward. And as soon as we have a better lay of where the firepower is, that could keep more of the army alive for longer. So yeah, that so, the living aren't walking into traps or anything. So even though um, we, can't, we can't send anyone out for like recon on some of the stuff, then decide to do something. You could decide to send people there now and then have that intelligence before going in to the battle. That, that, that's definitely doable. So if you wanted to send Nobieri there early with his zombies to find out information before you go in. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So they'll, they'll be, he'll be the scout scouting team and zombies to scout. Any lizard folk? Lizard folk can kind of be scouts too. You split up the lizard folk and all. To investigate things, my main concern would be they wouldn't be able to describe what they would see. So I think Mm. they're better off uh, just being an attack force. A question for Nash. You said like the the solar mines are very fiery. There's lots of fire, or in down down and down deep. Yes. Lots of fire. Okay. And Didn't we have a, <clears throat> a fish bird priest that we should contact who's all about making some water? Yeah, Emmanuel uh, uh, Fickeld is, is among the living tieflings on Mars. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Hope's going to have to make that request. I don't think she's going to listen to it from me. Imagine falling out of affection with a person because you didn't like their god. No, we... (laughs) Okay, to be clear, we broke up long before I didn't like her god. Right, right, that's true. I'm just making jokes. I don't like your god. Fishbird's still a sensitive subject. But she... She she remains a character uh, that, you know, you can potentially use. I'm sure she would say yes. Get all of Stanley's ex-girlfriends to show up. 
Oh, I mean, the fighters from the White Tower wouldn't be bad. Yeah, I just don't know how we get them. Also, the fighters from the White Tower. That that relationship also ended a bit rough. Oh, that's true. I altered her memory. Yeah, she won't remember, though. She'll be fine with you. Well, no, the altered memory was the fight. She's still going to go and learn that we took the artifact and left. I didn't alter her memory that we took it. I altered her memory that we fought about it. I think Captain Rimskarim even went after you at one point. Yeah, they're aware. That's yeah, it's complicated for sure. Yeah, I don't think anything also, involving going to, to the going to the outer planes would also just involve way more trolley. You know, You're, you some of you are somewhat wanted people <laughs> by various factions in that world. <laughs> it's better to just maybe not go there right now. Is is my thinking? But you know, we were a little slash and burn in our time, and uh. And Sigil there, so yeah, yeah. yeah you guys were partying. Or just really good at M fighting, <laughs> which also apparently gets you big enemies. So you know those two things. Yeah. Uh, but we'll say that Hope goes and talks with um, the priestess and sees if she can't get her to help with the plan. Okay, and I'll just say that that will uh, she will help for sure. So just tell me, you know, uh, what you would like me to do with her. That that. That works. Um, I will write her name down. Okay, perfect. So now we've got Diane, you know, and this stuff is not set in stone. When you come back, you can obviously make changes if, you know, the situation demands it, right? So it's just to come up with battle plans now for things that require preparation. So the Liberators will have to prepare their vehicles, et cetera, et cetera, you know, get into position and stuff like that. But um, there will be a chance to make an adjustment when we come back to it. So if I had to guess, uh, at least at this stage, Stanley is probably going to want to be in the air team in the ship. Okay. That he's captain of, because that's a useful resource to not have, which means Diantalis would be on board with me. Okay. Do you have a vision for what uh, you would want Diantalis? You know, you just l- l- say go. I have no idea. <laughs> it's gonna because be. You're not sending anyone underground. Given that he's an ethereal being, he could tr- traverse through matter, and you could send him directly underground as a one man army to just kill everything, although probably Nash won't like that. No. Nash wouldn't like that. But he'd he make a great distraction. He would deal with it, but he wouldn't love it. Okay. So I've got Stanley and Dientalis in the air. Um, now, given that the air is the option, this would also represent our one, you know, I, I don't know, I don't want to say final, because that might not be true, but it might be our one final opportunity to really Mad Max it up in this campaign. So everyone being on ground assault would get that opportunity to be in vehicles, shooting fireballs at other vehicles. Um, so I'm just putting that out there as a more meta decision about what you would want to experience. Uh, well, I don't want to take that away from anyone. I don't need it, but I think that's more Scott's wheelhouse. So, But I also see him being more... I mean, dragon support and maybe, I don't know, put a dragon on the back of a flatbed truck. Just <laughs> shooting fire out the back. Yeah, I mean... I mean, it, it's, it's not only do you have to decide something that's, like, tactically the best idea. I'm not going to try and punish poor tactical war counseling. 
Um, but this really is sort of an opportunity to to choose your experience as well. Uh, for me, I have, I have a vision of a great vehicular battle, but we have spaceships in this, so they're, they're, they're an option available to you, as well as the sneaky version uh, of just going in alone and doing things you could take on as well. It's up to you. It's for you to decide. And whatever we decide, because we are going to wrap up soon, so I, I have more that I'd like to do, um, we can make changes to this upon your return. This isn't a set-in-stone deal, but this helps me prepare for it, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally Sweet. does. All right, so then we'll just leave the where you guys will be as a decision for later. Pharrell, uh, I'll just write the names for Undecided. Pharrell, um, Nash, Hope. And who knows? You might have other people. You still have an adventure yet before you. There may be other people that uh, participate in this. So you never know. All right. I'm going to save these objects and switch the camera back. All right. So after a few hours of discussion, uh, trying uh, figuring out with everyone what the best plan is, you split the forces between the aerial assault and the ground assault, sending Nobieri to scout through the mountains. Um, and then the list of tasks that were sent, which was uh, Bok Bok will be attempting to be a king and bring 10,000 goblins. Uh, someone's going to try and find Eddie and Sarah. Uh, someone's going to look for survivors at Tiet Kala, Caravalon for the anti-dragon armaments, and check for survivors at Principal City. You may decide when you get back on your boat to go to Planet Nash to see who you can recruit there, as well as maybe other things you recruit before it begins. With that, the meeting uh, begins drawing, like, puttering down to a close, and Amantha Lordar then addresses the room and says, Everyone, thank you so much for gathering here today for the first War Council of Earthly Defenders. The Heroes of the Waste will now depart in an adventure of their own to retrieve Tungsten Wheel and Glopscorp for the Trianglosphere. Our mission for the rest of us will be to be ready for when they return. And he turns to the heroes of the waste and he says, It is of utmost importance you return with the item. Fail to do so and this realm is lost. And all of these plans will be for naught. We will outfit you with whatever you need in terms of humble munitions that are available. And we will pray to our gods that the outcome is positive and true for our world. Now, <clears throat> there is one more thing before we bring this council to the to a close. Beliranath, the Alhandar elves have met in summit to discuss the ascension of the new Seleli Prime. The results of the vote were unanimous. And it is you, Valir Onath, son of Dalit Onath, for the first in our civilization, a half-elf, selected for the honor to be leader of our people. Before you may do so, you must commune with the great elder tree of Mars, Sumaslanar. Please stand. Stanley would look a little nervous and anxious 
when all the all eyes up. are on you, the sun, one of the sun shafts from the, the the tree above moves and forms a spotlight upon you and no one else. Valironath, you have been selected as Seleli Prime. Do you accept your charge in the name of the good of all Elhandari people? Uh, I do. Then let your transformation begin. And you begin to float in the air towards the center of the room. The sun, everyone darkened at the sun shaft of light, showing you to all. Your cape is billowing. You're, you're floating as if in water, but you're in the air. Two large branches from the tree begin to grow out of the ground and move, and not disrupt or break anything, but enter into the room and form like a stem underneath you. And, you know, uh, the giant goes and goes, Whoa! <laughs> in the corner. As, as the... <laughs> the um, the stem moves up and then encompasses you in what looks like a giant Brussels sprout to everyone else on the outside. This large, like brus- giant Brussels sprout thing encompasses you inside. Stanley, um, we'll need headphones off for everyone else. Oh, inside the Brussels sprout. The rainbow lights sprinkle everywhere, but they don't hurt your eye, even though it's very bright. There's this magical feeling as you float alone there. And you hear a voice enter your head that says, Young Valir Onoth, I have seen your soul, I have tasted your energy. Your mind is clouded with doubt. Will you find your way to be clear in your purpose? For if you do not, you will doom your people. Thus it is written in the marks of your layers. You will have a great choice before you. And for your people, and for the salvation of your soul, as it moves to the Feywild, you must make the right choice. And for it will be your burden to bear. Now there's a prompt that's like a a moment for a prompting of a response, even though the question was not asked. You have an opportunity. All I've ever wanted to find was a place a place where I would belong, a home. Home is the first thing I ever knew, and it's the first thing that was ever taken from me, and it's all I've really looked for ever since, and I keep thinking I find it, and I keep losing it. And if I have doubts, it's because 
I can't help but feel responsible for each time I've come up short. But it. Go ahead, sorry. I want to keep trying. I have had doubts, but I want to find the right way. It is the way of all living things to die. Where your home is, is on the tree of life that starts at the beginning and ends at the beginning. You are part of this chain. You are home. And you need not feel guilt, for it will be your weakness. Your world is poisoned. I feel it in my soil. Even here, far removed from Earth. The one you travel with, the one your father traveled with, Nash Magard, the being, you will need him, but he must die. And a, a, a sadness fills your soul and a, maybe a resistance. Go forth and lead your people. Or perish. And then you beat your body, but your form begins to change, and you hear one final line from him I will remake you into the form you need to be. And you feel changes in your muscles, uncomfortable, strange movements that something is taking shape inside and out, that your body is like um, tree pulp. And it's moving within you, and your skin is like bark. And your eyes are filled with white light, and your head is filled with calming music of the forest. And then the Brussels sprout opens. All right, we can headphones on for everyone else. I don't think Kyle saw it. Or maybe you did. No, oh, sorry. Kyle's in the zone. We got to keep, keep doing the motion. <laughs> You're in deep meditation, my friend. <laughs> Pardon me. So in, in about the span of 30 seconds, the cabbage, uh, the Brussels sprout shaped thing at the top of the stem opens and recedes and brilliant rainbow light shines and blinds everyone. Um, and then through the brightness, as you look, you see the form of Stanley floating above but it's Stanley changed. He looks nothing. He looks somewhat like what he does before, but his features have become more regal. Where once his jaw might have been round, it has become sharper and harder. Where once his brow might have been uneven, it is even. Where once his hairs might have been clipped uh, incongruently, it is now all clipped correctly. His ears are full elven and poking brightly through, 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 through his locks. Stanley has become the Sileli Prime, and as such has earned... Uh, one moment, looking up, sorry. No, an unbreakable majesty. Uh, you've re you've, uh, Stanley, you've earned your 14th level feat early, even though we're all 13th level. 
You have earned your unbreakable majesty feet now, and your appearance is now shaped differently. It is more handsome. It is more regal and noble in a significant, like not quite a Megatron to Galvatron way, but also kind of, yeah, like you, you look, you look like you, but you look different and I'll leave it to you to imagine what that difference might be. So you can describe it for us. If not now, then next week. Yeah, I, I, well, I looked ahead, as you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I saw this was coming, so I thought about it. Um, so Stanley's features become uh, somewhat more washed out, like his skin almost seems to glow uh, a bit, um, and his hair is darker, longer. Um, and the the odd thing about his appearance is that you tend to see features that you find appealing. So if you find a masculine form more appealing, you would think, oh man, he's got a what a chiseled jaw he's got. Like look at look at that. He, he's not bad. But if you if you find a more, you know, feminine form appealing, you think that hair, he's got soft features, he's got nice eyes. Like it's just whatever you tend to find, like even somebody like Varel would be like you know, I never noticed before, but Stanley's pretty toned and he moves kind of like a predator. So that's okay. Like, it's not full on attraction, but it's just like, all right. And you just sort of see whatever is in your heart is reflected now, almost as if he's a blank canvas and you're projecting your own likes upon it. Uh, and his eyes have gone full, almost reflective silver. Badass. The elves, the elves all around kneel before you. Stanley will look and kind of realize that they're looking for something from him. Yeah, maybe you can he'll, tell them. Maybe you can say something like "rise." He'll say. To learn that my ascension was a unanimous one was an interesting thing. I don't feel that I have earned my place among you, but I shall strive now to do so. You all kneel before me, but I think it is premature. Stand. We have much to do. And that was all in Elvish, by cool badass the elves all stand they rise and they look at you with pride and they're glowing they're happy with their new leader the bird folk kind of fidget a little bit they're a little bored yeah the birds yeah yes you are now the Seleli Prime and Amanthalodar approaches you and reaches out his hand and says I am grateful you've accepted this charge. Your father would be proud. In his time, he might have been considered for such an honor. But we haven't had a Sileli Prime since the Scorching. You are our first. I have helped our people as a spiritual guide. But these are times of war. And you were raised in the harshest of places. 
They will need your leadership to see this through. And then um, on his right side, uh, a younger elf woman who still might be in his 80s for elf <laughs> or her 80s for elf, <laughs> um, approaches spear in hand by his side. And he says, <clears throat> as is tradition, the Seleli Prime must take on. Where did I write that? Must take on. Oh no! Ah, my notes. No, uh, it's hard to remember. Shit. Oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> As is tradition, the Seleli Prime must take on the Baleli Kuhn. Oh well, now I know why I didn't remember it. Yeah, Baleli Kuhn <laughs> is hand in glove of the Seleli Prime. This is Union Wheel. You are now her charge to protect with her life. And she will accompany you at all places. And she moves forward, stands, bows, and then takes a place at your side slightly behind you. Did you say the last name is Wheel? Like the person we're looking for? Yeah, it struck you as curious. Stanley would turn and pointing exactly that out wheel like tungsten yes Seleli tungsten wheel is my uncle but I assure you that's not why I'm with you I have trained all my life and surpassed all others in combat to become the Belali Kun with real weapons, I assure you. Stanley will give a nod. She takes her place behind her, behind you. And with that, everyone, we will adjourn this war council. I thank you all for your faith and your strength. The heroes of the waste will now traverse the stars to find Tungsten Wheel and the Globscorp. In the meantime, we will return you to where you are fortified and send word upon his return. Amass your forces. Spread the word. The more we have to face the principle and the forces of the solar mines, even slightest chance of success, we need it. And with that, the, the room brightens to normal sunbeam levels and people begin talking and moving, uh, moving out of the room to make plans. Um, I think this, as we approach the end of this week's show, this is a good vista to leave it on. The, the assemblage of the War Council of Earthly Defenders conversing post-meeting as the camera zooms out, showing the glade and the tree Sumar Selenar into the great beyond in space. Space! Next week, Blast Belly Rock. Oh. Maybe. It's up to you guys, actually. I should say. Oh. <laughs> oh, right. well, you know. I'd say probably likely. 
Next yeah. week, we get back to adventure. The drama is over, everyone, and it's time to D some D, if you know what I D. Yeah, I know what you D. Keep that D to your... No, keep keep the D... Keep, whip your D out. That's what we're trying keep to say. Keep the D in the D. Keep the D in the D. Uh, in that'll the be <laughs> next week, everybody. That means uh, don't miss out. It's going to be awesome. I feel this incredible uh, moment coming all toward us like a like a runaway truck, and it feels good. So watch for that coming up on a future episode. In the meantime, if you like what we do here and you want to throw us an extra couple of bucks, you can do that by joining our instance, or sorry, wrong one, our Dungeons Plus membership, which you can find at therewillbedungeons.com. It's super easy to sign up for. I just sent out the latest art for the month, and I'm really happy with it. If you're like, ooh, that's intriguing. What's that about? Go find out. Therewillbedungeons.com. Uh, speaking of which, there will be a bonus show for supporters today. So next week, everyone else has to wait, but today supporters get it right away. Uh, just another reason to support us. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you for listening for all of us to all of you. We'll see you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com.